0: Om Parthaya Pratibhadhitam Bhagavatam Narayane nasvayam Vyase Nagratitam Purana Muninam Madhyemahabharatam Advaita-mrata-varshinim Bhagavatim Ashtadaśādhyāyinīṁ Ambatva manu gite bhavad-dveshiṇīṁ Namus tu te vyāsavishāla buddhe Pullāra vindāyatapatra netra Yenatvaya bhāratataila pūrnhā prajwalito jnana maya pradipaha prapanna parijataye totravetray kapaaye jnana mudraya krishnaye gita brutaduhenamaha sarvopanishadogavaha dogdhagopalanandanaha Pārtho vatsas sudhir bhokta Dugdhaṃ gītā mṛtam mahta Vasudeva Devaki paramanandam Krishnam vande jagat guruṁ Bhīṣmaddroṇa tata jaya Gandharani lotpala Grahavati krupe navahani Karane navela kula Ashvatthama vikarna ghora makara Duryodhana vartiri Sotirana kalupanda vai rananadi Kaivarta ka ke shavaha Parasharyavachasa roja mamalam Gita rthagandhot katam harikatha Sambodhana bodhitam Loke sajjana shatpadaira hara Pepi yamanam muda Bhūyādbhārat paṅkajaṃ kalimala Pradhaṃ sinashreya se Mūkaṃ karo ti Paṅgum langhayate girim Yat krupa vande Paramānanda mādhavam YAM BRAMHA VARUNA ENDRA RUDDRA MARUGAHA STUNVANTI DEVYA ISTHAVAI VEDAI SANGAPADAKRAMO PANISHADAI GAYANTI YAM SAMGAHA Dhyana VASTHIDA TADGATENA MANASA PASYANTI YAYOGINAHA Yasya Antanna Vedasura Suragana Devayatasmainamaha. In Bhagavad Gita, we came to the point where Arjuna surrendered himself to Lord Krishna, and thus now a new relationship between the two is established that of the teacher and the student. So far they were friends. Krishna and Arjuna, both of them, were friends so far. And up to this point, of course, Lord Krishna was the charioteer and Arjuna was the master of the chariot. But now the relationship has changed, where Arjuna expressed shadhimam I am your disciple, I am surrendered to you, you please teach me that which can bring in my life Nishrayasaya, the ultimate good (coughs) so this shows here a conversion or a transformation in Arjuna as a one who entered the battlefield with a desire to conquer he was very proud that single-handed he can win this battle so with that idea he entered this battlefield and in course of this from the moment that he started observing the people arrayed on both the sides of both the armies from that point on when he saw all the relatives and friends and kiss and kin arrayed in both the armies and he could see in his mind's eye the prospect of that tremendous death and destruction that will follow as a result of this battle and which brought about a tremendous amount of grief obviously because it was the deaths of the near and dear ones And that grief made him, gave him a certain perspective of life, which perhaps he did not have so far. And he could see the limitations of all possible gains that were there potentially before him. Gains in terms of the victory, kingdom, and all the power and the pleasures that this battle could bring to him. He could see the limitations of all of them. He could very clearly see how the suffering the pain that he has how the burning sensation that there is in my body and the sense organs and how the pain and the grief which is in my mind cannot be eliminated even if I win this battle and I gain the kingdom of the whole earth or even if I gain the kingdom of all the three worlds that this suffering cannot be eliminated this fact somehow he could say and that is important for us not necessarily the placement between the two armies All the peculiar situation that Arjuna had is perhaps not that important to us except that he was grieving, that is important. That there is a grief in the human heart which grief was somehow or the other so far was veiled behind his other priorities. He was too busy with other things of life, other achievements. And so this grief which may have been there had no opportunity to manifest itself. And now it manifested itself and he found himself helpless. He, he reviewed his whole life and, 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 and saw this fact that he has not done what he should have been doing. He has no doubt done a lot of things in life. He had achieved a great deal of things and for which there is value that other people value and which he also valued so far. But then he could see that he has not done what he should have been doing. And thus he finds himself completely uh, confused and completely deluded with reference to even the present situation as to what is proper and what is improper. <coughs> but that is not the primary problem of Arjuna. What to do in this situation? That should I fight this battle or not fight the battle? I should fight the battle because I am a kshatriya, I am a warrior, and therefore it is my duty to protect the righteousness and fight this battle. But I should not fight the battle also because it is going to involve the death or the destruction of such a large number of people, and in its wake, it is only going to uh, it is only going to bring about all kinds of sufferings and misery, as he described in the first chapter. And thus, looking at the consequences of this battle, which he interpreted as himsa or violence, he could not get around or make himself see this fact that he can perform this violence. He did not see any purpose behind that because this violence would give him perhaps victory, etc. in which he found no interest at all. And thus from, the, from this standpoint that this battle involves himself destruction that it does not yield any result in which he is interested. <coughs> from that standpoint he could see no meaning in fighting this battle. And therefore he wanted to become a... He wanted to renounce everything. He wanted to become a renunciate and he wanted to even beg the, the alms which is what we call bhiksha and he was quite prepared to lead that kind of a life meaning give up his present station of life which is that of a warrior and that of a householder give that up and attain, assume another status that of a renunciate <coughs> This he was prepared to do because he thought that that was a better solution than, than this conflict so this conflict is there on one hand he should fight the battle because it is his duty on the other hand he doesn't want to fight the battle or he does not think he should fight the battle because battle involves himsa violence at the same time it yields results which are of no consequence to him <coughs> but this conflict brought about that grief also <coughs> and made him see his review his life and from there he came to a more fundamental appreciation somehow that the problem does not merely confine itself to this particular situation where he finds himself totally confused or deluded as to what decision to make but this what we call the situational problem <coughs> arises from a much more fundamental problem about total confusion about life as to what am I doing here and what, what is it that I have achieved so far He could see that what all achievements he had made so far had not yielded what he is seeking in life namely Nishrayasam the ultimate good. Or what potential there is in front of him in terms of achievements also will not yield yield for him that Nishrayasam or the ultimate good. And so he found that what he has been seeking in life is Nishrayasam is ultimate good once and for all. That's what he is seeking in life this is what he found out so this grieving mind of Arjuna has revealed his the, an, an appreciation on his part of the fundamental need of nishrayasam, of that good which is ultimate and once and for all this is what he find he actually is seeking in life and that this battle or anything that he knows of cannot become the means for attainment of that and therefore He's seeking that knowledge from Lord Krishna, who is now the teacher. In this state of mind, he saw a teacher in, in Lord Krishna. And in this state of mind, he saw in himself a disciple. So this situation had to arise. It is not that Lord Krishna did not know that Arjuna is ignorant, or that he needs his knowledge. And they were together, you know, they were friends, very close friends, and therefore were together for almost the whole life on so many occasions. And Lord Krishna could have perhaps in a different situation imparted this teaching. But then Lord Krishna never volunteered because Arjuna never asked for it. It is said that this knowledge must be asked for. Nāprashtaha kasyachit bruyad This should not be told unless it is asked for, it is requested for. <clears throat> so maybe Lord Krishna was waiting for an opportunity wherein Arjuna could realize the need for this and ask for it. And Arjuna did. And therefore, Lord replies him, tamu vacha rushikesha bhārata. Rushikesha, rushikesha means Lord Krishna. Rushikāna the one who is the Lord of all the sense organs, one who is indwelling self, and therefore one who knows. Prhasaniva bhārata, as though laughing or smiling at Arjuna, As though sort of making fun of Arjuna, Lord replies. There is a smile on the face of the Lord. Look at this. Arjuna is grieving, always weeping. And when Lord Krishna replies to him, there is a smile on the face of Lord Krishna. And therefore, this is subject to criticism. People ask, how can you laugh at a person who is grieving, who has surrendered to you? How can you make fun of him? But it's not so. He's not making fun of him. But then there is a smile which is very difficult to interpret because Lord Krishna being what He is, it's difficult to interpret that smile. Whether in that smile there is some kind of little cunning, cunningness, wherein he is waiting for this opportunity, I knew you will come around one day. Is it that kind of a smile? Or rather the smile of the one who understands that there is no need to grieve. What for are you grieving? And he knows that this grief is going to go away and therefore a smile of of the happiness that now this person has come to the right point right source right place and that that he will be free from grief and therefore he is smiling or he smiles at the stupidity of Arjuna that how he talks very wise words in fact he reveals only his ignorance is that why he is smiling? so different ways you can interpret the smile of Lord Krishna we can say it can be a smile of compassion or kindness also and in that situation then Arjuna who was grieving to him Lord Krishna started imparting the teaching from the eleventh verse however before we proceed to the teaching of Lord Krishna here we'll take a brief look at how Shankaracharya interprets all that has gone on so far in Bhagavad Gita all the 47 verses of the first chapter and the 10 verses of the second chapter whatever has been covered so far in these verses Shankaracharya explains the subject matter that has been covered here without going into the commentary of individual verses but goes into what is is the theme of all these 57 verses what is conveyed by these verses that theme Shankaracharya discusses (coughs) says Atracha drashtvādu pāndavānikam ityārabhya that first verse of Sanjaya, When Dhritarashtra, the blind king asked Sanjaya, his minister to report to him what was happening in the battlefield when his sons the Kauravas and the Pandavas with a desire to fight the battle had assembled in the battlefield and he asked him to report to him what happened, what did they do? And Sanjaya started reporting from this verse the Duryodhana seeing the opposite, the enemy army being arrayed then what he did, etc. So, all beginning from that point right up to Nayo the Govindam Uktva Turshim Arjuna with tears in his, mind, in his eyes and grief in his heart told Lord Krishna, Nayotse, I will not fight. Idi uktva saying that, Arjuna became silent. Arjuna was talking, he did a lot of talking and Lord Krishna was silently listening without interfering at all. And perhaps Arjuna may have even felt frustrated finding no change of expression at all or no, no signs of sympathy on the part of Lord Krishna or whatever it is. But having expressed himself and having played, made his case for not fighting the battle ultimately Arjuna said se, I will not fight. Idyuktva having said Tushnim Arjuna became silent. Up to that point what is it that this text in all, in all these verses what does it have to convey? It says Praninam Shokamohadi Samsara Bija Bhuta Dosod Bhava Karana Pradarshanar Tattvena Vyakhyayo This Grantha, this whole text up to this point can only explain as it is there for showing the Karana what's the cause of Samsara Bija Bhuta Dosod Bhava that this, these verses here, or this text, explains to us the very cause which gives rise to what we call the dosha, which gives rise to the defects of what we call samsara or life of suffering. And what is the characteristic of what you call samsara? Samyak saradyasmerit samsara that in which one keeps on going from one situation to other. From one suffering to other, let us say, from one birth to another one is called samsara. Meaning this life of limited existence, life of seeking, chasing the goals from one to the other, this life is called samsara. And what is the what is the symptom of this samsara? Shoka mohadi. Shoka means grief and moha means delusion. The shoka and moha, grief and delusion are identified by Shankaracharya as the symptoms or the signs or evidence of the fact that one is a samsari that one is uh, one is this is uh, undergoing what we call this transmigratory existence. So, shoka and moha grief and delusion, etc. etc. means other products likes and dislikes and whatever anger, passion and so forth so samsara, that is called samsara. And what is it that causes the shoka and moha? Why is there grief and why is there delusion? What is the cause of it? Causes ignorance. Therefore, text so far wants to demonstrate that what we call samsara all this life of suffering is characterized by shoka and moha, grief and delusion. And then that, that is common to all the beings, there is no exception. And that this shoka and moha, the grief, delusion also is a cause and that cause is ignorance. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of the true nature of the self. So, agnanam, avaranam, wailing or ignorance of the true nature of oneself which gives rise to what we call vikshepa. Vikshepa means a projection in the form of shoka and moha, delusion and grief. And that gives rise to further difficulties in terms of a sense of bondage sense of inadequacy desire to become free all kinds of actions performed from there a number of results accumulated on account of that and this whole business the whole chain of action and reaction proceeds from that and so it is not important the details of these verses is not important according to Shankaracharya but that these verses are meant to convey that ignorance is a cause and that the symptoms or the evidence of samsara is shoka and moha, which evidence or symptoms we find very intensely in Arjuna. <coughs> there is an Upanishad called Isha Vasya Upanishad which says that when there is knowledge yastu sarvani bhūtani ātman nevānu paschati saru ātmanam natato vijugupsate yasmin sarvani bhūtani ātmai vābhūd vijānatah Tatrako mohaha kashyokaha ekatvam anupashyadaha. There, Upanishad says that when one discovers that all there is is only self. when everything has ultimately turned itself into oneself, meaning when one recognizes oneself alone as manifesting as the whole universe and including oneself, tatrako mohaha kashyokaha. When there is this knowledge or this vision or the knowledge of this ekatvam, the unity or the, the oneness underlying every existence then where is shokaha where is moha where is the room for grief and delusion meaning that when this knowledge of the oneness of the self comes then there is no scope for grief and delusion meaning that that grief and delusion that we feel in life is only a product of ignorance ignorance of the true nature of oneself and what is the oneself? oneself is the self of all that there is only one self one without a second and that alone is this knowledge alone will eliminate the shoka and moha grief and delusion it is true that different activities and different achievements in our life may momentarily push aside or push into background this grief and delusion and so there are moments when we find ourselves free from grief but they are only temporary moments when the effect of whatever we are doing goes away, then again the grief and delusion, again they take hold of us. There are moments of happiness, there are moments of achievements, there are moments of success or whatever we call them in the, in the world, where we forget momentarily our grief, alright? But then when the effect of that moment is gone, the grief comes back again. And so grief and delusion is the common symptom of all the human beings. And as long as... Ignorance is, so long one cannot get rid of it regardless of one wardness in one's life. Regardless of all the achievements, everything that one does, unless ignorance goes, this grief and delusion cannot go. Now, this is a statement that Shankaraja makes and explains in the subsequent commentary. To illustrate, Tathahi, to illustrate. In this particular case, so this is a conclusion that is universal conclusion. That there is ignorance which gives rise to grief and delusion, and that gives rise to all the suffering in life. <coughs> and how do we find that in this particular case? That is illustrated by the case of Arjuna. Tathahi Arjuna rajya Guru Putra, mitra Surut Svayana Sammani Bhandaveshu Ahamesham Mamayreti Evam Brhantipratya Nimitta Sneh Vichedad Nimittau Atmanaha Shokumoho Pradashido Katham Bhishma Maham Sankhe We see Arjuna in so many words expresses the grief and delusion that he is experiencing in his heart. Where do you find it? Katham Bhishma Maham Sankhe Arjuna says, Lord, you are asking me to fight. How can I fight against such revered ones as Bhishma and Drona? He said Bhishma is the great-grandsire in whose lap all the children have grown. And who is Drona? Dronacharya is the very teacher from whom all these people have gained the knowledge of archery and warfare. And so, father or grandfather and teacher are the most reverential people. I should have been worshipping them. Instead of that, you're asking me to send arrows at them. How can I ever do that? and that gives rise to that, that is a sense of grief that he expressed he said also instead of killing them and enjoying all the pleasures it's better that I leave this battlefield and I beg the arms. then lead the life of a renunciate. I think that is much better to lead that kind of a life than enjoy these pleasures which are which are stained with blood of these people so all these statements in the part of Arjuna express his tremendous grief And also, he himself says, I am totally confused as to what I should do in a given situation. Should I fight or not fight? That also expresses his moha or the delusion. Thus, from the very statements of Arjuna, we can see the grief and delusion with which Arjuna is suffering. And what's the cause of that? How come when Arjuna fought the battles before this, that this problem did not arise in him? That he never experienced the grief, the kind of grief that he is experiencing today. And how come this particular battle scene has created so much grief in him? What is so different? As I said, just a few months ago, ago means few months from that battle of Kurukshetra, which we are talking about, a few months before that, that event, Azjuna had fought a battle with essentially the very same people. in the the kingdom of Virat. And he had in fact uh, conquered them all and those fellows had run away from there. And thus Arjuna had already proven his prowess. At that time also there was no grief in his heart. Very happily and boldly he did that. And of course before that any number of battles he has fought. He never felt the grief. And what is the reason why he is feeling the grief now? Shankaracharya says Aham esham mama ete. Aham esham, I am theirs. Mama ete, they are mine. This kind of a sense had never come to Arjuna before. That I am theirs and they are mine. This kind of a sentiment, if you want to call it, or emotion, if you want to call it, or a thought, if you want to call it, had never arisen in Arjuna before this point. So it is not the battle really which is the cause of his grief because he has fought any number of battles. What is the cause of grief? What this particular battle has surfaced, has, has managed to manifest from within him? And that is this sense of the identification. I am theirs and they are mine. Swajanam nikatham hatva sukhina madhava Hey madhava, oh Lord, how can we be happy? Killing our relatives. Our own people. Swajanam. Our own people. Drashtavemam. Swajanam Krishna. Yotsum. Samupastidam. Hey Krishna. Seeing this Swajana, our own people assembled here to fight. And thinking of the consequences. I just, I shiver. So he identified all these people as Swajana. His own people. And identified himself also as belonging to them. And it is this identification what we call mamakara, or the sense of mindness, or the attachment. The attachment that he had for these people, it is attachment which actually has caused the grief. Attachment for whom? Raja, Guru, Putra, Mitra, for kingdom, for the teacher, for the son, for the friend, for the well-wishers, and for the followers. Somebody, the relatives, Bandva, the friends and, and if, uh, family members, towards all of them, he now developed this sense that they are mine, they're mine, they're my people. So his problem is not so much killing, how can I kill my people? Who is going to die? Not the people are going to die, my people will die, and that's what has caused the grief. So cause of grief here is the sense of my-ness and therefore. This is bhranti, or this is delusion, that they are mine and I am theirs. And therefore, yeah. There will be sneha that there will be severance of my love and my relationship with them when they die. So what shall I do without them? And how will I be without them? And what will happen to them? And thus, sneha vicheda Sneha meaning the attachment, or the love, affection rather and vicceda, a, a severance of that affection that when they'll be killed then I'll be without them I'll and what will happen to them? So grief that arose in the mind of Arjuna is identified as arising from what we call an attachment or the sense of identification that he had for these people which further caused the grief because he'll be now deprived of them or he'll lose their affection without them what will he do? he'll be all alone and what's the use of this kingdom? without them and so Lord those for whom we wanted this kingdom they're all waiting here they're all standing here in front of me having given up their life and everything else and so what for do I want the kingdom? And so all these these very expressions of Arjuna shows what? A, a sense of identity which arises from the attachment for this people. So it is attachment which is the cause of his grief. Not that he was otherwise you know that all of a sudden he has become I mean uh, he could be a conscientious objector etc. also. But more than that It is attachment and because he takes himself to be an individual. He takes himself to be a body. He identifies himself as Arjuna. And what is the name? Who is Arjuna? It is the body who is characterized by the name Arjuna. And he calls himself Arjuna. Therefore he calls Bhishma as his grandsire. Therefore he calls Drona as a teacher. Therefore he calls Duryodhana as a cousin or my friend and my brother. So all these relationships are possible only when I take myself to be the body, to be an individual. And so identifying with one's own body is then a more fundamental problem which arises from the ignorance of the true nature of myself. So ignorance gives rise to identification of the body, gives rise to the the sense of relationship that they are mine and I am theirs. And that gives rise to the grief arising from the consequences of the battle. Okay. So Arjuna exhibited shoka and moha or grief and delusion. But how do you say that grief and delusion cause the samsara or the suffering? Then Shankaracharya explains further. Shoka moha abhyam hi viveka what is the symptom? How do you say that the person is deluded? That he is moha. See, shoka the grief is something you can see from the eyes of the person, whatever it is, you know, because his eyes was flooded with tears. But how do you say that he had delusion within himself? But that is something that is in his own mind and with nothing, not something that we can see but that delusion is we can infer that he is deluded he has this moha delusion from the, from his behavior or from what he wants to do. Says, shoka maha abhibhuta viveka vijanam The person whose viveka vijanam whose discriminative knowledge Abhibhuta has been overpowered by shoka moha only when one's discrimination or sense of judgment sense of discrimination is overpowered by or is clouded by the shoka and the moha grief and delusion then there is a tendency to give up what is proper for oneself and to take up something which is not proper for oneself this is what Arjuna demonstrated it is he who came to this battle by his own choice it is important that nobody forced Rajuna to come to this battle but then he came willingly by his own choice and also by his own choice what is he what did he choose to do? kshatra yudhe he was ready to fight this battle which is Kshatra Dharma meaning which is the duty of a Kshatriya or a warrior to which class Arjuna belonged. Thus he had himself by his own free will chosen to come to this battlefield to perform his duty as a Kshatriya or a warrior on his own. This is how it was. Tasmad Yuddhad Upararama Now on his own he says I don't want to fight. Nobody has told him not to fight also. First of all Lord did, Krishna did not ask him to fight. He came on his own and now on his own he says I will not fight. Tasmad Yuddhat uparama He desisted from this yuddha the battle. Not only that meaning giving up one's own dharma or what is proper for oneself and taking up something which is not proper for oneself this is a symptom of moha or delusion. When a person is deluded then one does not see what is proper and what is improper what is proper is interpreted by one as improper and what is improper is interpreted by one as proper adharmam dharmam manya sarvarthan buddhisya in the eighteenth chapter Lord says that buddhi that buddhiyo, the intellect of tamasi overpowered by tamas or delusion when adharma or what is unrighteous is interpreted by oneself as righteous dharma and what is dharma or righteous is interpreted by one as unrighteous Sarvartan Viparitamsca Thus one interprets totally contrary the various artha or various situations in life this is called tamas or moha and this is what Arjuna exhibits himself exhibits that he wanted to now desist from Yuddha which is his dharma dharmam jivanadikam kartum And he showed a willingness to adopt a life of renunciation, which is not his dharma. A and a warrior and a householder, it is not his duty, his dharma, not proper for him to become a renunciate and then start begging the arms. Thus he desired or expressed a desire to do something which is not his dharma, which is not proper for him. And he also declared that he will not do what otherwise is proper for him. So what is his dharma? That he wants to give up. What is not dharma of him? What is somebody else's dharma? That he wants to adopt. This is a sign of moha or delusion. Understand? Generally, whenever life becomes tough, when the get going gets stuff, you know, then we want to generally cop out from there. Then we think, no, no, this is all wrong. Why should I do this? Then my mind finds out all kinds of arguments. Oh, I don't know why I was doing it so far anyway. It's all wrong, you know. <laughs> and that's you have all kinds of wonderful arguments. Swamiji, I don't believe. Somebody says, Swamiji, I don't believe what my institution does or my company does, you know. They sell things. I don't believe in this. They push their product in the market. I don't believe in that. As though you're a great philosopher, you know, now. That your company is doing something. I say, you do what you have to do. Why should you worry about what they are doing? You know. But there is some other problem inside. But that problem manifests itself as a resistance or a desire to cop out from or escape from a given situation. And then the mind finds its own justification as to, yes, why one should not get away from the situation? And why should not one get into a more cozy situation? Under the blanket, you know, cozy. It's nice to cover oneself under the blanket is very nice but then it is not necessarily proper so this is a symptom of the one who is suffering from what we call moha or delusion and therefore this expression of the behavior on the part of Arjuna shows how he is mudaha he is deluded because he wanted to give up what he himself had undertaken to commence do and he wanted to do now or take up something Which really is proper only for someone else to do. Because it requires a certain frame of mind. And that will be the theme of Bhagavad Gita. Shankaracharya says all this having reviewed the whole Bhagavad Gita. Because, what does Lord Krishna teach? Lord Krishna teaches two things in Bhagavad Gita how to act and how to renounce. Both the things he teaches. Bhagavad Gita is going to teach us these two things how to act and how to renounce. Because Arjuna's problem was action and Arjuna wanted renunciation. And Whenever Lord Krishna addresses Arjuna, it happens to be a problem of everyone. But Arjuna had a great fascination for renunciation. Not in this country, no one will have fascination for renunciation. But in India you can find a number of people having fascination for renunciation. For whatever reason, some, there is some attraction in this class. There is some attraction in this way of life. Maybe they have seen some people who are renunciates and must have seen them as happy and free. Or whatever it is. But people have some fascination. Or maybe they want to just get away from where they are, you know. And this promises all kinds of freedom from all responsibility. Renunciates are those who no responsibility at all. And that they love, perhaps. Except they don't realize that a renunciate have no right also. And when, that, when they realize that actual situation in life, then they realize that, no, this is not what I was looking for. When you know responsibility, you know right also. If you are willing to give up all your rights and demands, fine, you can give up the responsibility. And anyway, but Lord Krishna is going to teach here. Sanyasasasthu Mahabaho Dukkha Maptum Ayogartha He Mahabahu meaning o, o Arjuna, O mighty arm Arjuna. Sanyasarindan <laughs> renunciation renunciation is extremely difficult and painful unless there is a discipline of yoga. Unless one is matured if Arjuna had that maturity Lord Krishna would not you know would not hesitate ultimately in the 18th chapter it will be said by taking the ashraya or refuge of ahankara of pride and ego you are saying that I will not fight the statement of yours that I will not fight does not come from your wisdom It does not come from your discriminative understanding. It comes only from the sense of ego. Had it come from wisdom, it's not that everyone who says I will not fight is necessarily egoistic. It can be a statement of a wise person also. And therefore, there is nothing wrong in fighting or not fighting or doing or not doing. Where does it come from? Your desire comes from where? Does it come from wisdom, discrimination? Or does it come from ahankara or ego? the ahankara ma śritya Manyase. It is taking a refuge or motivated by this ahankar or the ego that you are saying, the I will not fight. Mityesham Vyavasayas Prakriti This vivasaya or this determination, resolve on your part is Mitya, is false, it's not going to last long. Prakriti Stvam Your own Prakriti or nature will prevail upon you and make you do. As controlled by your own nature, what at the moment you do not want to do on account of your delusion, you will find yourself doing under the impulsion or the compulsion of your own nature. So Arjuna, you have not understood what exactly your mind is and what your real desire is. And therefore, without understanding yourself that you are willing to now give up this action of battlefield and take up to the life of renunciation. So no doubt, Arjuna's desire is very noble. Because the Vedic culture or the Hindus recognize renunciation as the ultimate goal of life. And if so, somebody wants to renounce, it is something very desirable. Provided that desire for renunciation comes from where? It comes from Raga and Dvesha. His aversion for the present situation creates in him an attraction for another situation. It is like the grass is always greener yonder, you know. <laughs> you go near, then you find out what it is. And so also Arjuna does not know what it means to renounce. And therefore, his desire to become renunciate and his desire to to go away from the battle, to give up this action of fighting, has arisen not out of a clear discriminative understanding but has arisen out order of what we call the attachment and aversion. Raga and dvesha. Dvesha or aversion for the present situation, raga or attraction for a situation which is in future, not here. And that's why Arjuna is saying it. That's why Lord Krishna does not sympathize with him. He is kind, all right. But internally he has to educate him. Otherwise you can, if the child is crying, don't worry, okay, don't worry. Okay, you don't want to fight, go away. I'll fight for you, which he's capable of doing, but he doesn't show that kind of sympathy, because that will not help Arjuna. He will start, start, he'll, he'll come again you know weeping on another occasion, and therefore, this causes to go once and for all. therefore, Lord Krishna addresses that fundamental problem which causes this this delusion and likes and dislikes and grief in the heart of Arjuna. <coughs> Okay, this is what we find in Arjuna. But then, is it a special case of Arjuna that he wants to give up what he should properly be doing and wants to take up something that is for which he is not fit? Is it a special case of Arjuna? He says, no. This is what we find happening. Wherever we find this happening, you know that this grief and delusion is there. It's not a particular case of Arjuna. It is a case of all deluded people. How? How? Tasachar. shok moha Shokamohadidosha so people do not really, people very often want to imitate others. People want to do what is good. Lord Krishna says, No, do what is proper. See how this is addressed by Lord Krishna in so many verses in Gita. Nidhanam shreha Par bhaya bhyavah. He Arjuna, Shriyaan swadharma vigunah. Therefore you want to do. What oh, is good to be renunciate? Therefore I want to be. No. What is good for you, that's what you should do. In India, this is a big problem because everybody wants to renounce. Whoever comes to Vedanta wants to renounce. And we have to calm them down, you know, I said, well, wait for some time, listen to this for some time, observe your mind, what are your different urges and desires in your mind, and then respect them. He said, no, no, it is wrong to desire, therefore I will not enter in my desire. Nothing is wrong anywhere. It's wrong to get married, therefore I don't want to get married. What is wrong in that? There's nothing wrong in anything, if that's what you find is your need. So discover what your need is and respond to that rather than how, you know, don't imagine an ideal and then respond to that imaginary condition but be realistic about what exactly you are and respond to that. So Vedanta doesn't say one should do, they never give you any instructions of do this and don't do this. Vedanta always teaches us and makes us own up ourselves and do what is proper to do. And if that doing requires taking risk, fine, do that. But just because it is fearful, therefore you don't give it up. And so, Kayak Kalesha you know, again 18th chapter says, people give up their job and duty because Kayak Kalesha is too straining, you know, and it is uh, it's too painful or whatever, it is exalting. So they give it up. That is not renunciation. And thus, keeping all in mind, all of this that Lord Krishna is going to teach Arjuna, Shankaracharya here, explains what is the problem as Lord Krishna sees in Arjuna. Tathāca sarva prānina shokam mohādi and also for all the living beings and all the human beings because other living beings don't have a problem. They have no delusion. A cat is always a cat. Not that sometimes it feels like a dog and some other time feels like donkey, you know, but human being has a problem. Sometimes he feels one way, sometimes he feels some other way. These difficulties are only with the human beings. Other people are spared of this pain and suffering. There will be pain all right, but there's no suffering there. A cow has no regrets, you know. And that doesn't have any guilt and, and, and things of that sort. Whereas this person has all kinds of hurts and guilt. Cow doesn't get hurt. If it gets hurt, then it will immediately retaliate without feeling any sense of guilt. I get hurt, I don't retaliate, I build up within myself, and all kinds of problems happen to me. So when even Shankara says Sarva Praninam, it is really the problem of the human beings. So Sarva Manushyanam, that's what it is, is for all the human beings. moha Mohadi Dosha Avesta Chetasam which are these people who are, whose mind is avistam, whose mind is overpowered by. moha Mohadi Dosha, overpowered by these defects of grief and delusion. We find that all these people who are under the spell of grief and delusion, all of them have this tendency to give up what is their dharma. Pratyasiddha, And they also show a tendency to adopt something which is not their dharma. Understand the word dharma. By what dharma is meant here, what is in keeping with one's own disposition of mind, one's own aptitudes, one's own samskaras with which one is born and with which one has grown. And so at a given point in time we find our mind showing certain dispositions, aptitudes, likes, dislikes. Dharma will be what is proper for that mind. So one performs an action that is in keeping with one's own aptitude, one's own abilities, one's own duties. That's called Dharma. So people under the spell of this delusion and grief are seen to naturally desire to give up their dharma or what is proper for them to do? Pratyasiddha, sevajasyad and desire to do that which is prohibited for them or which is not proper for them. (coughs) So does it mean that all those people who are doing that duty and all those people who are doing what is proper that all of them are enlightened people? Another question. You say that the people are deluded when they give up what they should be doing, and then they take up something that they should not be doing. Okay. But then there are a number of people we find who are true to that duty and very sincere and honest. Should we say that they are all necessarily enlightened people? So, no. One further. What's the other symptom or the evidence of this delusion? is that even a person, even those people who are pursuing their dharma or their duty, or what is proper for them to do, then that is not, the, uh, that's not enough. But then we have to see with what motivation are they doing. Most people do their duty all right, but with an expectation of the reward. So, when you find people attached to or or there is an emotional investment, you know. I have a lot of emotional investment in this work or action that I am taking. What is emotional investment? Attachment to the result, I assume, you know. What else is it? Meaning that if the result does not come as I expect it to be, I will be emotionally upset. So, phala, visandhi, purvika. So, most people, therefore, even when they are doing what they should be doing or, or or performing their duty, we find that they are performing those tasks of their duties as motivated by a desire for reward. And, sahamkaraja. And in them, there is also this keen sense that I am doing this. And therefore, the sense of doership also is very keen. And therefore... We find that when there is ignorance in the person therefore there is a delusion about one's own nature then even when one performs an action honestly and sincerely there will be a very strong sense of individuality that I am doing this and secondly we will also find that that action is performed as motivated by the desire for the reward then we know that he is also an ignorant person. His grief may not be as apparent as the other fellow. One who wants to run away from the situation and plunge into another situation, his grief is very evident. And this fellow does not run away from the situation, his grief may not be very evident, but definitely it's there inside. How about the people who are performing duty without the reward, expectation of reward? Are they enlightened? Alright, let us ask further question. Do they have a sense of doership? Do they have the sense of individuality and doership that I am doing it? Yes then we know that even that also is a sign of ignorance. So understand what ignorance does. Ignorance of the nature of the self, first of all creates ahankara or sense of individuality and therefore kartrutvam a sense of doership. When it is confounded, meaning more intense, then what else does it create? An attachment for the reward. When it's further confounded, then what does it do? Likes and dislikes. a a, a dislike for what one should do and like for what one should not do. Thus in stages, this ignorance manifests itself. Most people you find are grieving and therefore not following the Dharma and doing something that they should not be doing. Some people are following the Dharma all right but highly attached to the reward. And some others very rare who are not attached to the reward but still they are quite egoistic. Now egoistic means functioning from a sense of individuality and aware that I am doing this. Even that also shows that they do not have the knowledge of the self who is in fact actionless or not an agent of action. What happens? Suppose you perform an action thinking that you are doing it, meaning that it is a sense of doership. And you perform the action with a desire for the reward, then what happens? how does it land you into samsara shankara explains that mechanism here tatra evam sati dharma dharmopachayat ista nishta ista nishta janma sukha dukha samsara anuparato bhavati ityatah samsara bije bhutau Tatra Evam this being the case, meaning there is ignorance which gives rise to sense of individuality, which gives rise to the sense of doership, which gives rise further to an attachment to the results of the action. When this is the case, dharma adharma upachaya. then two kinds of action a person can perform. One is called dharma, which is righteous action, keeping with the value, in keeping with the values, other is called adharma which is not righteous, where the fundamental values are sacrificed. So dharma, action in keeping with the values. adharma, an action in which the values are sacrificed or compromised. And a person will essentially do both these kinds of actions. Even a person who is very honest and righteous, now and then he may find up performing actions which are not righteous. Any person who is not righteous at all, now and then may perform actions which are righteous also. And therefore, everybody essentially performs actions which are a mix of what we call dharma and adharma. In someone, dharma is predominant, adharma is minor. In someone, adharma is predominant, dharma may be minor. In someone, dharma and adharma may be in equal proportion. Anistam istam itya, anistam istam mishram cha, anistam ishtam so these are the three kinds of karma <coughs> dharma Adharma upachayad but anyway when I perform an action with this sense of doership then I am the karta I am the doer of that action and whoever is karta or the doer is the one who is the beneficiary of the result the one who is karta today becomes a bhokta tomorrow one who is a doer today becomes an enjoyer tomorrow Because the result of the action will necessarily land upon the one who is a performer of the action. It cannot happen that I perform an action and that you are stuck with the result. Or you do something and I am stuck with the result. That cannot happen. The fundamental law requires that whoever performs action must necessarily experience the result. If the action has been dharma or righteous action, what is the result? Isht, desirable. If the action has been adharma or unrighteous, what is the result? Anishta, undesirable. And thus, we keep on performing a series of actions. What? Vāṅ, kaya Many actions are performed at the level of body. Many actions are performed at the level of speech. And many actions are performed at the level of mind. <coughs> Each one of these actions may be classified as dharma or adharma, righteous or non-righteous. And each one of these actions keeps on producing what we call the effect in the form of ishta and an ishta desirable and undesirable. And these effects keep on building up in our account. From that what happens? Janma, definitely. It won't be possible for one to exhaust all the effects in one birth and therefore the next birth. Because I have to own up what all I have done and therefore I am responsible for what I have done. And so I will have to take another embodiment to experience the results of all those actions which could not be exhausted in this birth. Ista <coughs> janma. That birth may be desirable or undesirable. It may be human birth or better or it may be a lower birth. Sukha dukha. In any birth or any embodiment I am going to have the experience of sukha and dukha, pleasure and pain. Sukadukka dukkha samsara. This alone is called samsara. Samsara is the series of embodiments which are results of the series of actions I have performed, which embodiments constantly produce a series of experiences of the nature of pleasure and pain. Anuparatobhavati. A ceaseless existence of this limited embodied existence goes on when there is ignorance, which gives rise to sense of doership, which gives rise to this the desire for results, and so forth and so on, it gives rise to a ceaseless existence, which is characterized by pleasure and pain. Ityatah samsarabhijabhutahu shokamohau And therefore, we have to say that the shoka and the moha, or grief and delusion, in fact, are the seed or the cause of what we call samsara in the form of repeated birth and death. And birth is a a sense of a limited existence because birth means embodiment. Embodiment means the uh, limited existence and experience constantly of all kinds of limitations of the body, mind and intellect. And therefore naturally a constant current of a sense of limitation, inadequacy and therefore unhappiness. That is called samsara. Anuparato bhavati, it will not stop or cease until the knowledge comes. Thus Shankaracharya analyzing the case of Arjuna and then applying it to the human beings in general comes to the conclusion here that it is shoka and the moha or grief and delusion which are really the fundamental problems of human life which arise from yet fundamental problem namely ignorance of the true nature of the self. Okay. Om, poor, and Purnat poor, and Amidam, poor, and Amada, poor, and Amada, poor, shankaram, Shankaracharyam keshavam, bada Sutra Bhashya Khruta Vande Bhagavanta Punaf Ishvara Guru Ratme Murti Bhe Ravi Vyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murthaye Namahan Um Shanti Shanti Hari Um Shri Guru Bhu Hari Om oh.